0: Money FM 89.3 Best of Weekends.
1: One topic that is very important, of course, to all of us is food, food security, food safety, and just being able to have access to food. And as we look across the region, uh, different measures by different governments at this time are going to have a, a ripple effect throughout the food industry and beyond. To get some more depth on this issue that is so vitally important to all of us, we have Stephen Bartholomew, who is the Policy Director for Food Industry Asia.
2: Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for having me on your show.
1: Oh, that's great. Stephen, talk to us about some of the measures uh, that you've been seeing at the Food Industry Asia organization by governments that are restricting maybe some of the movement of goods and people such as nationwide lockdowns. What What is this doing to uh, to food production and the availability of food stocks?
2: Right. So, so I mean, look, when we look across the, the, the food and beverage supply chain, we are seeing... Um, several sort of key disruptions as a result of COVID-19. Now, so far, the industry has been uh, remarkably resilient uh, in the face of of an extended demand for food. Um, But we worked in partnership with PwC, where we um, sort of produced a report which highlighted how some of the measures that are being imposed by governments, uh, for example, to minimize movement and interaction of people, uh, as well as body controls, are having uh, an impact on the food industry. So you know, if you take um, the availability of manpower as an example, uh, for a lot of factories that produce this food to run, you need um, your workforce in place. And while companies uh, are taking measures to, to ensure that this workforce is protected, um, say if your plant is a, uh, working at, at, at a 50% capacity, then you're not able to produce uh, all the goods that you need. Um, another challenge, of course, that you would see um, that is that if you have sort of border controls and, and the food value chain you know, stretches across all the way from agriculture uh, to your food delivery system. So if you can't get the raw materials that you need to produce the food, um, this can be a, a very significant challenge as well. So... You know, for example, we saw uh, in the Philippines, um, animal feed was not getting to farms. And it's, you know, if you, if you can't feed your chickens, um, well, essentially they die, and there's no way of getting uh, food out into the market. So, um, you know, things like border controls, where you have very high scrutiny at checkpoints, uh, are creating things like logistical bottlenecks that can then have a knock-on effect um, when you see things like consumers uh, panic buying, uh, as well as, as I said earlier, the inability of workers to to get
0: to work. Yeah. We're speaking with Stephen Bartholomew, the Policy Director of Food Industry Asia. Stephen, you mentioned the border controls. I mean, bringing it a little bit closer to home. Since we've had a, a major restriction of movement at the causeway that obviously separates Singapore from Malaysia, you know, the government have been at great pains to in, uh, insist that the food supply hasn't been disrupted. But what are you seeing since we've, we've restricted movement on the causeway? What, what changes have you seen, if any, with that?
2: Um, look, I, I think that, you know, something like 300,000 workers cross between Singapore and Malaysia on a daily basis. And this is not just within the food industry. It's right across all the other industries as well. Um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, uh, so far, I think that industry has remained remarkably resilient. And if you look at your supermarket shelves, there is there is still food on the shelves. Um, you know, they, they are being stocked at a much more regular basis because of things like panic buying. And you know, if I have one thing to to uh, one piece of advice to consumers, yeah, it's that you know, first of all, um, governments across ASEAN have stockpiles of food. The food industry has also uh, you know, stockpiles of food in their, in their warehouses and they continue to produce more food so there is no need for panic buying however if this sort of long term lockdown uh, continues and let's for argument's sake you know, two to three months down the road if you are still in a very similar situation then sort of things like the movement of goods across borders can have an impact and I think that you know, the Singapore Malaysia border so far the the flow of goods um, across the border has not been hampered, so you know trucks can get across the border as long as they have the right paperwork, but that's not the case in other countries in ASEAN, and and don't forget, I mean as a region, we are all interdependent on produce from across ASEAN, but across the rest of Asia and the rest of the globe, so you know a long term long term sort of impacts and also protectionist measures. By By some governments could have uh, an impact so far we're not seeing it here in, in Singapore, but it 's something that you know two or three months down the road, if some of these sort of measures like labor restrictions, border controls continue um, we could see potentially
0: an impact. You've touched on my follow-up question, which is I have noticed myself anecdotally, and I'm not the only one, that in fair price stores, cold storage, supermarkets, yes, you're right. The more regional local goods, the daily essentials are still there. But just to use one or two examples, if you're talking about cheeses, I'm a big fan of cheese. Cheese that's come <laughs> from Australia, that, from the New Zealand, the UK. There was absolutely no doubt in my mind That that supply chain, that's only one product, but that supply chain has been disrupted. And I can give other examples of that as well. Products that usually come from New Zealand, Australia, Europe, I'm seeing less of on the shelves. Now, is that panic buying? Is it a coincidence? Or are we slowly seeing those international supply chains increasingly disrupted?
2: Well, there's, there's no doubt that international supply chains are also disrupted. Um, so that's 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 very clear. I mean, this is a global issue. It's not, as you can as you can imagine, it's not restricted to to one part of the world right now. It's a global issue. Um, the the other challenge, of course, uh, people are buying. So um, I mean, a, a great example of this was uh, in New Zealand before they had uh, the lockdown, which I believe was about three or maybe four weeks ago. Mm. Um, the day prior to the lockdown, they sold groceries for 10 million people. Now, New Zealand has a population of less than 5 million, but in a day they sold enough groceries for 10 million people. Mm. So people are buying in excess of what they need. And if you take things like cheeses, I guess there is a perception amongst consumers that um, these products, there might be a slowdown in these products in the market. The other challenge uh, that we, we need to mention is, is things like freight, right? So a lot of perishable items um, are bought into markets uh, by air by freight, other items by sea freight, and some of the freight moving in from countries like New Zealand also comes on, on passenger flights. Now, as, as we're all aware, there are very few or perhaps none uh, in terms of passenger flights. Cargo flights are, are still continuing, but definitely there is, there is a slowdown in some of these products getting to the markets and getting on the shelf.
1: Stephen, that is such a great comment because I understand that, you know, roughly 80 percent of the capacity of cargo on passenger planes is, you know, is goods, uh, food and other goods like that. So we are, uh, with all the flight cancellations, we are definitely uh, missing that part of the supply chain. But I'd like to move forward on a slightly different uh, uh, Attack, if you will, uh, the impact of COVID nineteen overall on a shift in consumer habits. Uh, what have you at the food industry Asia and, and this recent study with uh, with PwC? What are you seeing in terms of what your best guess is? How is the future of of this industry going to change um, now that you know when this eventually all settles down? Whether that's a year from now or whenever that is.
2: Well. I mean, One one thing that we've got to be very clear of is that the impacts of COVID-19, and I'm just talking here specifically about the food and beverage industry. I'm sure there'll be impacts on other industries as well. But if you just take the industry that I work in, which is food and beverage, um, it's very clear that the impacts on industry will last well beyond the current crisis. So if you look at some of the trends that we expect going forward, I mean, you'll see that uh, from a consumer perspective, many habits that consumers have developed um, under the lockdown are, are very likely to last in the long term. So things like you know, the changing consumer habits, um, there is likely to be an increased demand uh, for online food delivery, uh, including the delivery of, of groceries. And it's very important that businesses also need to evaluate and adapt uh, to these lasting shifts in consumer preference. Um, another factor that's going to impact us going forward is digitalization. So new technologies uh, are going to limit things like risk and cost. So you'll see, uh, certainly from an industry perspective, the accelerated deployment of digital technologies. There will be greater automation in the production and processing uh, process um, and sort of uh, reduced dependence on operational labor because, as you can imagine, with labor shortages in, in some, in some, for some manufacturers, uh, that's proving a challenge, but they're adapting with automation. Um, and we are likely to see, even from a retail perspective, more digital touch points uh, with suppliers, customers, uh, and, and governments as well. And then you're going to see more diversification in the supply chain. I think if there's one thing that industry has learned uh, or, or lessons being learned from, from the whole COVID-19 crisis, uh, it's the importance of looking at diversifying your supply chains uh, for global supplies. So you'll see um, re- reconfiguration of, of production footprints where, say, if Uh, a a manufacturer currently depends on on two locations, either regionally or globally for a particular product, they are likely to look at diversifying um, that supply chain and looking at maybe four countries or five countries uh, for that product. And then finally, you're going to see um, more integration. So there'll be a deeper connection across the value chains. Uh, So, for example, Um, You know, the large companies are going to very likely look at working closer uh, with the smallholder base. Um, And also, uh, you know, the development of mass market, uh, agritech and microfinance propositions uh, to increase yields amongst stakeholders. So you will like to see more collaboration, uh, not only between industry, but also between industry and government going forward.
1: Great insight from Stephen Bartholomew the policy director, the Food Industry Asia. Thank you, Stephen, for being with us on weekend mornings. Thank you very much and have a great day ahead. Thank
0: you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.